Well, today we continue our series after a brief break. And our series is called Love Letter from God. It is the story of God throughout all of Scripture. We have made it to Zephaniah. We have three more weeks in the Old Testament, and then we will transition to the New Testament. Uh, I would ask you to stand this morning, turn in your Bibles to Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17. We're also going to read John 3, 16, which is our key verse for the entire series. Our key verse is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Zephaniah 3, verses 14 through 17. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord, your God, is with you. He is the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. You may be seated. This is a passage that sounds really foreign to our ears when we think about singing, uh, nation singing, and all of that. But the reality is, is that this is a promise that was made as a part of a prophecy that the prophet Zephaniah made when he was standing up in Josiah's court. Josiah was the king of Judah. He had become king after the last king had failed miserably at following God. Josiah became king. He was very young when he started out as king, and he was king for um, a considerable amount of time. And during his reign, he found the, uh, the law that had been written And when they found the law, it was read to the people, and it was a source of distress and anxiety for them because they realized that they had not been following the law. And so Josiah helped them to repent and to come to terms with it. Zephaniah was probably a son of royalty who sat in Josiah's court, and he stood up in a couple of different circumstances and proclaimed to them, a lot of things that were going to happen to them and to their enemies. He spoke of much devastation that would come over them. And ultimately, they would be exiled into Babylon. We know that all happened. And this is part of that prophecy for them. But we also know that prophecy is speaking truth to power. So part of what he was saying were things that Josiah needed to hear in order to help turn the nation the way that they were supposed to go. Ultimately, the end of his prophecy is a promise. And we can sing and shout aloud. We can rejoice and be glad because the promise 
that Zephaniah makes here is a promise that not only was for the people that he was speaking to, but it is a promise for us as well. It is the promise that God will provide redemption. And we know that God has provided redemption. We have the ability to seek God and get redeemed based on the fact that God draws us to him. The Lord, who is the mighty warrior, has saved us. Jesus has come. Jesus has taken our sin. Jesus has taken away our punishment. He has turned back our enemy. And Jesus is with us. We are redeemed. We are saved. And verse 17 is really kind of one of my favorite verses. I am a big fan of music. I love the songs that we sing in here. I love hearing songs, finding new songs, listening to songs. They're a big part of what I love about coming to church, but it's also part of what I do during the rest of the week. I listen to music while I work. I listen to music in the car. I sing sometimes. And I, uh, I love music. And I think that we are all sort of designed to hear music as a story for us. Uh, most people like some kind of music. It doesn't necessarily have to be the kind of music I like. People are very passionate about the different kinds of music that they like. But I think that music is sort of embedded in us as something that we can all appreciate, whatever it looks like for us, right? We can, we can, as older people, I can appreciate this more now because I am way older than I used to be. And uh, where, uh, you know, we, we tend to say, oh, the, that stuff those young people are listening to, that's just, yeah, yeah, get off my lawn. But, but the reality is, is, that, is that music is the language of our culture. And music is the language that we can hear most clearly, even when everything else sometimes is not hearable. When we can't hear the words people are saying or we can't hear anything else speaking into us, sometimes the music that we hear is something that we can, we can appreciate and we can be, uh, we can be moved by. And so when we read this passage that says that God will sing over us, not just that God will sing over us, but that God will rejoice over us with singing. Have you ever been to a birthday party where they didn't sing happy birthday? It's part of the celebration. It's part of the rejoicing that is done. You sing the song, and it's part of what happens. In this time, God is saying to the people that I am so delighted in you. I love you so much that as you are redeemed, I stand over you and I sing about you. 
I sing for you. Mm. That's pretty powerful. Do you know who the people are that sing to us most often? It's our parents. Sometimes it's our friends. Sometimes it's random strangers in a karaoke bar. (laughs) All of those times can happen. But most of us start out hearing our parents sing over us. A lullaby, a song that matters to them, right? Mm -hmm. You are my sunshine, one of my favorites. I love you. We hear those songs from our parents first. And it's songs to calm us, songs to heal us, songs to remind us that we belong to someone. And music has other purposes in our lives as well. I mean, how many of you who have been or are married have a song as a couple? You have a song that if the two of you hear it playing on the radio, you start dancing in the kitchen because you know that this is a song that reminds you of the person that you love. How many of you had a song with someone that you're not with anymore? Now when you hear that song on the radio, you get a little melancholy or you get angry maybe. Music has power. Music has the ability to remind us of something that has happened in the past. Music holds memory for us. And so when God says that he is singing over us, he is reminding us that we belong in a certain place. He's telling us that not only do we belong in this certain place, but that he can bring us healing and he can bring us peace in whatever we're going through. He takes great delight in you. You belong to the family of God, and God is singing over you. And every time you hear the song of your soul, the song that God is singing over you, it should remind you that God loves you. It should remind you that you have been redeemed. You are not who you were. You have been transformed. You are walking a different way. And it is the God who sings over you who tells you that that is true. Before we get to verse 17, there's a moment where in verse 16 it says, On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. That is a... That is an idiom that tells, uh, that talks about disappointment and despair and sorrow. When your hands hang limp, they can only hang limp if your shoulders are slumped down. 
They can only hang limp if you're carrying something really heavy, where it feels very heavy. But this says, do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. And we have heard that God is with us, not only here in Zephaniah, but then later when Jesus talks to his disciples, he tells them, I am with you always. And it is the same message. You don't have to be afraid because God is with you. And by the way, do not be discouraged. Don't walk around with your shoulders slumped over. You have much to be rejoicing about. Your redemption has happened. Your Jesus is alive. You are transformed. And all of this is is reminded to us when we hear God singing over us. And maybe you've never thought about the idea of God singing over you. Maybe you've never thought about the idea that God would pay enough attention to you that God would know enough about you to be able to stand over you and sing a song that's rejoicing in you. Maybe you never thought about it that way, but I will tell you that that is exactly what God does. So raise your hands, put away your fear, let God take great delight in you as his redeemed people. Let him quiet your fears, let him rejoice over you with singing. I don't know what song it is that God exactly sings over us. I know that the psalms in the middle of your Bible are sort of the songbook of the songbook of faith. They talk about all kinds of things. They tell us that it's okay to be lamenting. It's okay to rejoice. It's okay to remember who God is. It's all right to be celebrating in song all that God has done. None of those talk about what God sings to us, but I would argue that God sings to us words about grace and mercy and love, that when God rejoices in us, the words that he sings are the words that we need to hear that we are redeemed, that it is finished, and that amazing grace is what has been given to all of us. So this morning, before we get to our normal conclusion for the message today, I'm going to ask us to stand together for a moment. And it's not a video or anything. 
But there is a hymn that I think we all probably know. And it's um, Amazing Grace. We're just going to sing one verse of it. But I think if you listen to the words of Amazing Grace, you can hear the words that a man who had lived his entire life as a very, very evil person, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, wrote it having been a slaver, having been a person who went and captured people in foreign lands and put them in heinous conditions on horrible slave ships and then sold these human beings to other human beings to be mistreated and used and abused. And then John Newton found Jesus and he stopped his slave trading and worked hard to fight against it. And as part of that, he wrote this hymn. And it's a reminder to us, too, that the grace that redeemed John Newton is the grace that redeems each of us. And if someone who could sell other human beings can see the grace of God this clearly, then this song that has carried from the 1770s to now as an anthem of what God does for us. This might very well be the song that God sings over us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. These might very well be the words that God who saved you the God who sings over you says, whispers to you, so that you can hear the grace that he has for you. Let's sing that first verse together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound about who you are in God, who you are in Jesus, how God's grace has reached you, I pray that you would hear this song in your ears, that you would hear God singing to you 
And you would know that God delights in you. God offers you peace. That God rejoices over you in singing. Let's read from our blue sheets today. What does it mean to say God loves? To create us, to form us from the dust. To let us fail, to let us choose our own way over God's. To let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. To provide a rescue, a way back. Through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. To raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. To want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. To still let us choose our own destiny. To promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead, and final judgment. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God is singing over you because God wants you to know the love he has for you. God wants you to live that love. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. And God's love is expressed to us every week most tangibly. As we gather at this table, the son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread. Know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.